fantastic. Everybody doing good? Yeah. Wonderful. Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight for your spirit in this place. Lord, I thank you that when we come to your word, we thank you that it is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We thank you that it's living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, we thank you that your word endures. Lord, your word from beginning to end endures. And you have set your word in the heavens. Lord Jesus, I pray tonight that your word would be like seed that it would go into our hearts. We long and we hunger and we yearn for your spirit to have his way in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you declare regarding your word that you send it out. You send it out when you speak it and when you proclaim it. You send it out. And it will not return void to you without accomplishing that for which you sent it. So, Lord, I pray as you've given me your word to speak to your precious people who have been bought by your blood tonight. Lord, I pray that it would enrich them. I pray that it would empower them. Lord, I pray that it would, it would last for the entire course of their life. This word would grow and, Lord, great would be the harvest of the seed that is sown in our lives. And it would not return to you void without, without accomplishing that for which you have sent it to do. So, Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give our musicians a massive round of applause. Look at Noel tonight on the drums. Absolutely fantastic. Let's give Noel a big blinking clap and shout and dance. Absolutely awesome. What a spirit. Brilliant. Okay. We're going to get straight into God's Word tonight. And, um, you know, hopefully I'm going to give you lots of Bible verses for you to look at. So I really do need your attention. I know lots of times when you come from a busy day at work and lots of pressures through the week, it's easy for our minds to get distracted. And, you know, that's just part of life. But if you can give me your attention to the best of your ability and give God's Word your attention. It's not easy. You know, there's lots of cares and lots of con concerns. But let's try for the time that we have together tonight to really focus and think about the verses of Scripture that I'm going to be reading to you because I really do believe that they're going to help you, they're going to bless you, and they're actually going to show you who you are, who you are, who Jesus has made you, and the spirit that he's given you, okay? Um, I'm sure you'll agree with me that when you look at the Bible, when you read the Bible, you see many, many wonderful chapters within the Bible. How many people have got a favorite chapter in the Bible? I mean, we've all got favorite chapters in the Bible. Maybe Romans 8, incredible chapter. 
John chapter 3, verse 16, Leviticus 44. Who's ever read the book of Le what? What was that? Jeremiah 29. I mean, you know, we've all got our favorite chapters in the Bible. The Bible is absolutely wonderful. And especially when you receive Jesus as your Savior, when you've got a personal relationship with Jesus, I don't know what happens, but somehow you read the Bible in a different way. I can remember as a, as a young man when um, I at 15 years of age, I gave my life to Christ, and He saved me, and I suddenly began to have this relationship with Jesus as a 15-year-old kid. Still had all the problems, still had all the hang-ups, but I just became aware of His love for me on a daily basis. And, um, you know, I suddenly was interested in the Bible, funnily enough as a 15-year-old kid, and I'd read the Bible as a young person, and I didn't understand it. And my grandfather, who um, often preached and had a great understanding of the Bible, you know, I, I would go to him and I would say, Gramp, I just don't understand the Bible. And I was a Christian, and I really wanted to understand it. I really had a deep down desire to understand it. And I'd read things in the Old Testament. I'd read things in the New Testament. And, you know, sometimes I'd, I'd, I'd leave scratching my head wondering what I'd read. And I didn't really understand it. And I remember going to him and saying, oh, Grant, you know, I just don't understand the Bible. And he looked at me and he said, David, because he was from Ebervale, he said, David, my boy, keep reading, because one day you will understand. And maybe tonight, you know, you may have read the Bible, and you may be scratching your head and wondering, you know, I, I don't understand these different elements of the Bible, and I don't, there's so many things that I don't understand, and there may be a few things that you do understand. My advice to you, keep reading, keep reading because you will understand. You won't understand it, I don't think, in its entirety ever, because it's such a wonderful, glorious book, a living word that God has given to us. But keep reading. Keep reading. Don't give up just because you can't understand it. Keep reading, because you will get there. And, you know, for lots of us, the Bible is full of great chapters, Amazing, amazing verses. Somebody said John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever believes in Him might not perish but have everlasting life. What other piece of literature in this world have you ever looked upon that has even come close to resembling just that one verse. I'm telling you, there's not one piece of human literature that can even match John chapter, 5, John chapter 3, verse 16. There's not one piece of human writing. Go through it all. Go through the sages of, of wisdom throughout time, and, and you will not find one author to even come close to the writings of just one verse. In the Bible, it's a glorious, glorious book. 
and we must never, never take that for granted. So there's many wonderful chapters in the Bible. There's many wonderful verses in the Bible. But also, the Bible is such a magnificent book that sometimes you can just pick up on one word. One word can have such meaning, such impact, such instruction, and so, such learning for our lives that it is absolutely brilliant and wonderful. And tonight, I don't want to pick up on a chapter. I don't want to pick up on a verse. I want to pick up on one, ver one word, just one word from the Old Testament, and you'll see this this word characterizing many people's lives down throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament. And what you will see as we look at this one Hebrew word, what you will see is that you will see it reflected even in your own life. The Spirit that God has given you as a result of the Holy Spirit living inside you, you're going to recognize that this very word, this very response to God actually is within you as you live and you walk and as you build His kingdom and live to serve Him in His church. You will see it in your own heart and in your own life. I want to talk about the Hebrew word, hinini. Everybody say, hinini. Hebrew scholars, all in the room? Not Honolulu. No, not Honolulu. Hinini, the Hebrew word, he, Hinini. And for this one word, Hinini, we have three English words that form a phrase, and it's this. This is the phrase, this is the interpretation of that one word, Hinini, from the Old Testament, from the, from the Hebrew language, and it's this. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. In that one phrase, you can see, you can see the very disposition of a servant heart, of a heart and a life that's completely abandoned and surrendered and given over to the cause of another. Here I am, Hinini. Amazing word. We see it first occurring in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 and verse 2, and God is having a conversation with Abraham. God turns up one day, he's been on a journey, and Abraham's been on a journey with God for many, many years now. And one day, God turns up to test Abraham. Sometimes, God tests us. And the tests, I believe, are not there to defeat us, but to define us. God turns up in all of our lives, like we're going to see as He turned up in Abraham's life, not to defeat Abraham by a test, and it was an incredible test that God put Abraham through, but God wanted Abraham to see who he had become as a result of hanging around God, you see. When you hang around 
the greatest person in the universe, let me tell you, he doesn't change, but we do. And God comes to Abraham after many, many years to show him who he had become. This was the pinnacle in Abraham's life. This was the most glorious moment. And for many, the, the vast majority would have shrunk back. The vast majority would have run away. But this is the pinnacle of this man's life because he had walked with God for many years, a man of faith, a man who had had his whole disposition changed. God had picked him up many years before in, in, in a city and had taken him on a journey. And Abraham, through various steps, had, had walked a walk with God and he'd obeyed God. Sometimes he'd failed. Sometimes he'd faltered. But God had never given up on Abraham. And Abraham had always been quick to respond back to God and, and, and put things right. And down throughout the road of time, Abraham had changed. Abraham had been pliable and movable and shapeable in the hands of God. And God gets him to a point in Genesis chapter 22. It's a great test, but this test is not to defeat him, but to define him. And uh, God says this to him, now it came to pass after these things, and the things that, that the Scriptures are talking about are all the previous things. Over a hundred years of things, or over, no, probably over about 80 years of things that God had brought him through. Now, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, now watch Abraham's response. And Abraham said, Hinini, one word, Hinini, here. I am. Abraham wasn't referring to the geographical location or the place in which he was standing. God knew exactly where he was geographically. God knew the position. God knew the place where Abraham was. God wasn't going looking for Abraham. Abraham, like we would, Abraham, where are you? Daniel, where are you, son? That's a cry from a father that, that says, Daniel, I don't know where you are. Are you there? No, it wasn't that kind of cry. It wasn't that kind of call that God sent out to Abraham. It was a call right to his heart. And Abraham said, Hinini. He wasn't referring to a geographical position or place. He was referring to an interior shape and place and disposition of his life. I am here to do exactly what you want me to do at this given moment. I am ready in my life, in my relationship with you, in all of my exterior commitments. They are secondary. I am here. Here I am. I recognize your voice. All other voices, all other commitments, all other demands on my life are secondary to the first call on my life, which is your voice, Abraham, here I am, Hinini. Incredible. Here I am. And then God said to him, this is the test. 
Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Just that one verse alone is packed full of so much truth. We could stay here all night. You go down and you go down through that chapter and you begin to see that Abraham left at once. Once he'd got everything together, once he'd collected his belongings, he went immediately. He didn't consult with Sarah many years before when God had told him to get out of his country, out of his father's house in Haran. In Genesis chapter 12, Abraham, after he'd heard God's voice, consulted with his father. You see, he was a new recruit. It was the first time that God had spoken to him. And the here I am, the Hanini wasn't part of his DNA, wasn't part of his life. When God spoke to Abraham many years before in Haran, the Hanini response from his spirit was not there. And God told him to leave his father's house, and suddenly he's consulting his father. And there's a detour to the journey that God wanted to take him on. And things get complicated, and they end up in another place, and Abraham doesn't cross the river and go into the promised land that God was leading him into, and he has to wait until his father dies, until God speaks to him again. So that Anini response wasn't initially there, but on this day, many years after walking with God, he said, here I am, Hanini. He took his son, he didn't consult with Sarah, and they traveled for three days, three days. God wanted to see if this Hanini here I am, this, this absolute surrender, this absolute leaving aside of everything else to follow God's purpose, God's plan, and God's will was really settled in Abraham's spirit. He travels three days, and they get to the place that God had told them about. And then, in Genesis chapter 22, verse 7, Isaac speaks to his dad. He's got a little question for dad. Verse 7 says this, But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, Abraham speaking now, and he said, Hanini, my son, here I am. You see, when you have got this Hanini disposition in your spirit, this here I am, you say it to God and man alike. It's irrelevant who's asking or demanding of you. It's just in you toward everyone and anyone. It's there if your name is called from heaven, and it's there if your name is called from earth. It's awesome. And this is in you and I, friends, as a result of Jesus Christ living in us. And this is what the devil fears. This is what the opponents of the church as Jesus builds it fears. It fears a room full of people with an anini spirit. 
really does. Here I am, he says, my son. Then Isaac begins to question him, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? For a burnt offering. And then Abraham begins to demonstrate and declare his faith as he speaks to Isaac, and he says, the Lord will provide. You see, not only is not only does God expect Hinini from us, He's more than willing and adequate to provide Hinini Himself. Here I am, God says, when you read the story. God isn't just asking something of us that He will not provide Himself. David said in Psalm 46, you're an ever-present help in time of trouble. When you get trouble, when you get challenged, when you get circumstance, the greatest friend that you will have will be an unseen friend. His name is Jesus because Hinini, he is the embodiment of it. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's a Hinini commitment to you and I. Here I am. When everybody else is running from you, Jesus. Paul said, when everybody deserted me in Asia, the Lord stood with me. What is that? That's Hanini. Here I am, Paul. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Even friends and even church friends will leave you. But I'm here standing with you, Paul. God does, God does not ask of us will, what, God does not ask of us what he will not give himself. What a wonderful, intimate, amazing relationship that we have access to. We know that Abraham actually gets to the point where he is going to do what God has told him to do. Now, I, I tell you now, look, our mind is baffled with the fact that Abraham had to go and, and actually raise the, the knife. But he went there, and, and the angel suddenly came. Genesis 22, verse 11, says this, But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, calls his name twice now. He called his name once at the beginning when he wanted a response from Abraham, now Abraham is so intent on obeying the Word of God that the angel has to in interrupt him, call his name twice, and again he says, here I am. And now he gets further direction. You see, it's, this, is the, this is the cry of absolute surrender. This is the cry of, I no longer have a life that I want to follow of, of my own will, of my own design. My life is given over to you. Here I am. And the angel takes him through it, and he shows him a ram caught in a thicket the Lord had provided for himself. Genesis 22, verse 15 to 18. We see that this test... This test was actually designed for immense blessing. Behind every test, there is blessing. There really is. And I tell you now, the level of 
our success very often is determined by the depth of the tests that we go through. The bigger the test, the harder the preparation, the longer the patience that's required, the greater the destiny, the greater the blessing and the prosperity that's coming upon your life. I'm telling you. The other side of this test, and it was severe, was immense blessing. Genesis 22, 15 to 18 says this, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing. You see, it's easy to talk about it. But when you're going through the fiery trials... When your mind is confused and you feel that you can't find God or hear His Word in the thick of the problem and the crisis, and you're doing life and you're doing the test, it's, it's easy to talk about it and hear, hear sermons about it, but when you, you're the one that's going through it, it's hard then. But at the other side of it, at the other side of it, look what was there for Abraham, and in understanding what, what was there for Abraham, be encouraged for your own life. By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, because you've gone through the test, because you've been obedient, and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed all nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Awesome. Come on, let's give Jesus <laughs> praise. That was Abraham. That was Abraham. Let's now move to Moses. Moses, he's retiring in the wilderness, 80 years of age. 40 years, he's grown up in Egypt. And in Acts, you can read in the, in the Acts of the Apostles, one of the writers is writing about Moses' experience in Egypt. And it says that he was mighty in word and deed. He was an eloquent speaker because he, he was schooled by the Egyptians. And it says that he was strong in Egyptian wisdom, so strong that he killed an Egyptian. And when God found Moses, he didn't have an, a Hanini spirit. He jumped the gun. He sort of understood that it wasn't right that God's people be in Egypt and suffer under bondage but he didn't have a right spirit. He didn't have a right heart. So God had to take him on a journey like he has to take all of us on a journey. Every one of us. We don't start at, as finished products, do we? There's lots of areas that we're rough in and we're still developing in. So don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. I'm confident of this very thing, Paul says. That he who has begun a good work in me will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You're not where you want to be maybe, but thank God we're not where we were. We're on a journey. 
He's going to finish what he's begun. He really is. He really is. So Moses messes up, kills an Egyptian. Pharaoh finds out about it, and everybody's after Moses, his public enemy number one, and he runs to the wilderness, and he's in hiddenness for another, listen, 40 years. Can you believe that? 40, 40 years. And then one day, he's just out in the wilderness, just like any all day. I mean, there's no church service, and there's no music, and there's no happy, clappy stuff happening. I mean, it's the most inconspicuous moment. It's just one of those boring moments, a monotonous moment, I would say. It's just one of those moments that, you know, it's just like any other day. He's on the treadmill of life. Ever been on the treadmill of life? Yeah, it just happens. And everybody tells you you've got to have this super-duper dynamic life for God to come. No, not so. Treadmill of life. You're working in a warehouse just, you know, doing, doing what you're doing, but there's a call of God burning in your heart. Or you're, 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 you're working in a job and it's just monotonous and you think, oh God, there's something in my heart that won't let me go and I know that you're calling me and I know that you, you want me to do something for you that's great. But I'm just, I'm just trundling through this swamp of monotony and nothing seems miraculous and nothing seems dynamic and there's no angels or anything like that. Monotonous days. Moses had 40 years of monotony in a wilderness, but he just kept doing what he knew to do. Keep doing what you know to do. Just keep doing it. God's going to turn up. He's going to fulfill the plans that he's got for you. He really is. If man could fulfill them, they'd be small, they'd be insignificant, they'd have no, they, 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 they may have a start, but they'd have no completion. Don't put your, your trust. You know that, do you know what the center, the center verse of the Bible is? The center verse of the Bible is this. Don't put your don't put your trust in man. Trust in God. I think it's Psalm 150. But don't quote me on that. <laughs> but, it, but the center, the center verse in the Bible is don't put your trust in man. To fulfill your destiny, to fulfill the dream, to fulfill what God's got, God, God's got for you. Monotonous day, 40 years of monotony, hidden years in the wilderness. The Bible doesn't, the Bible doesn't really tell us much about Moses' life in the wilderness. Do you know why? Because there wasn't much to tell. Wasn't much to tell. It was boring. It was monotonous. There was no great acts. I'm telling you now, don't you worry. Don't you worry, God's got great things for you. I'm telling you now, but I'm telling you God's going to do awesome things in this city and even beyond this city, and it's going to require every single one of us. And it's not going to be the accomplishment of what we can do. He's suddenly going to come by His Spirit. He's going to, I tell you now, we're going to be so filled with wisdom and power and knowledge, the knowledge of Christ Jesus, that each one of us, 
are going to be doing things that we've only dreamed of. I'm telling you. I'm telling you because God's in control of it. Monotonous day for Moses, looking after the sheep. But then Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. Ecclesiastes says that God makes all things beautiful in its time. Eighty years is a long time. But the day, the beautiful day, had come for God to meet Moses in a wilderness. Let me tell you, whether you're young or old, we, 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 are, we are a church, a family of all ages, all ages and stages of life. And I'm telling you now, we will never, I pray to God, we never discount any person, whether they're, whether they're old or whether they're young, because it's not right. Because God uses every generation. He really does. Exodus chapter 3. Here we go. Verse 4. So when the Lord saw God appeared in a burning bush just before this, by the way. And Moses like majorly freaked out that there's a bush that's burning and it's God's glory. Verse 4. So when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, God called to him, from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Hinini, here I, here I am. Here I am. It just came up out of his spirit. This response, this is what God had waited for. This was what God was looking for. You see, God, sometimes God is spontaneous. But sometimes God goes through the details and he plans and he formulates and he designs like an architect. And every detail has to be in place before he moves, before he turns up. And he'll wait for many, many years. In fact, the Bible says that one day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years... It's like one day to God. He's not moved by time. We are, but he's not. And he waits and he comes to Moses. And Moses suddenly says, here I am, Hinini. I'm ready to do whatever you ask me to do. Now, he hasn't heard God's voice. The Bible doesn't say that he ever, before this point in his life, he had never had an encounter with God. We know that his mom and dad did because they understood that, that God was going to make him a deliverer. They understood that there was a destiny on his life. And as his mother watched his, his life get taken up by Pharaoh's daughter, they knew that he was on a course to do something great for God. But when we read the book of Exodus, and when you look at Moses' life, you don't ever see that there's ever any awareness of God. Eighty years, suddenly, one day, in the monotony of life, he becomes aware. Moses, Moses, here I am. Do you know you've got to be careful what you say to God? Moses didn't realize 
the task that God was going to give him as a result of saying, here I am. My life's absolutely surrendered and given over in abandonment to you. Whatever you ask, I will do. That is what the word Hanini means. Here I am. Fantastic. That's what I want to hear, Moses, because now I'm ready to talk. Now I'm ready to discuss exactly what I need your life for. Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. Moses, uh, God begins to tell Moses that he was going to go to Egypt. He was going to deliver his people because the cry of the people's hearts had come up before God and he'd heard the burdens and seen the affliction. And now Moses was going to be the chosen man to be the deliverer of God's people. And God tells him that Listen to Moses' response in verse 11. But Moses said, after saying, here I am, Hinini, whatever you want, absolute surrender. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? God brings Moses to a Hinini moment. Then he begins to tell him exactly what he wants his life to do for him on his behalf. And then Moses recoils into this complex of rejection. And very often when we become aware of what God wants to do with us, what God wants to bring us into, very often we can be like Moses and we can say, you know, who am I in King's Church? What can my life do? But you've said Hanini to God. You've said from your spirit in your bedroom, Lord, I will do anything you want me to do. And when God pulls you up on it and he says, right, I'll, I'll take you up on that because I need you. And a person from the church comes up to you and says, listen, we would love to see you do this. Maybe you back off and you say, but who am I? That's okay. It's normal. It's normal. Because I said it. I said it when Pastor Ray asked me so many years ago to become a pastor, an associate pastor in the church. When he asked me to actually serve on the leadership team under him, I initially said no. I said no. Now I'd gone to Bible school for two years. And, and, and that was the dream of my heart, really, to do that. And I didn't really know the responsibilities that went with it. But when the moment came, Pastor Ray sat down with me. He said, oh, Dave, he said, you know, you've been preaching in the church now. And we, I'd love to give you an opportunity to come, come on, team, be trained by Dale. He was a great trainer. Great pastor. Awesome. I tell you what, you've got to be a good trainer to train me. He had to give me a couple of clips around the ear. That's why I haven't got much hair on my head. It's Dale's fault. But what, what an honor that was. But when it came to it, I said, no, Pastor Ray, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I haven't got the faith for it. 
And then I said, I said this to him. I said, Ray, I need a word from God. I need a word from God. I haven't got one. He said, Dave, listen. He said, mate, he said, you can still preach in the church and not work on staff. Isn't it great to have a dad like that? That knows that you struggle with limitations. That knows that your heart is as good as you know it to be. But when you, when you struggle to make a step, it's great to have a father that doesn't force you and pressure you and just says, do you know what? It's all right, son. It's all right. You need a word from God. Well, that night, I went home. I went to bed. I, I actually told, I told Faye. Were we going out then? No. Were we? Yeah. Yeah. I told you, didn't I? Blinking out. It's a long time ago, see? How many years ago is it? 30 years, is that? Huh? 18 years August. I mean, that's a long time. No wonder I've forgotten. I told Faye, right? I told three people. I said, look, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I, I need this word from God. I, and I haven't got one. I want to, but I can't. So I told Faye. I told my mum and dad. I can't. I can't do it. And I phoned my friend in South Africa, a lady that I'd stayed with in Bible school that opened her home to me for two years. Lovely, lovely lady, a lady called Renell. And I phoned her and I said, look, I just can't do it. And that was it. That was it. But Pastor Ray was brilliant. Look, you can keep preaching. It's absolutely fine, Dave. It doesn't make it any difference at all to me. I just wanted to give you the opportunity. Well, I went to bed that night. I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning. And God was in the room. God was in the room. And I'm telling you now, and I don't say this to, to, to frighten anybody, but I was very afraid because, you know, the presence of God, when it's tangible and, and real, every Sunday and tonight, the presence of God is very gentle, very gentle. But when he unveils himself in just maybe just another little degree, you can become very, very afraid, even terrified. And I was, I was just completely unable to move, unable to talk, unable to do anything, but I was conscious of God's presence, and His presence was pressuring me. And I felt like a little boy in a corner, curled up. And, and it was like God had cornered me, and he was not going to let me go until he got the decision that he wanted. He was not going to let me go until he got a Hanini out of me. Okay? He was not going to let me go until my no became yes. And I struggled and I almost wrestled with God. And what came, the cry that came up out of my spirit was this. Lord, if you give me a word, I'll say yes. And the moment that I said that, suddenly the Holy Spirit said this to me. Hold on now. It's a long time ago. I've got to, I just want to get the phrase right.
he spoke to me from Psalm 23, verse 1. And he said this, I am your shepherd. That's it. That's why I, I deliberated, because I had to get the, the phrase. He said, I am your shepherd. You shall never want. But then he followed it with this. You shall never lack anything. You shall never lack anything. I'm telling you now, for 18 years, for 18 years, I have never lacked anything. Have I struggled? Definitely. Have I gone up and down with life? Defeated, victorious, defeated, victorious. Well, yes, definitely, like everybody else in the room. But as far as His provision towards me in bringing me from fear into peace, yes, it's always been there. And, and, and I stand in that promise today. I will never lack anything. I rung Ray up in the morning. I said, Pastor Ray, I got my word. Oh, I thought he'd get one, Dave, he said. <laughs> I thought he'd... And I told him. And he was laughing. And he said, you needed that. He said, see, he said, now when the challenges come in ministry, he said, you'll just always be able to go back to that living word and it will never fail you. It's a Hanini spirit. Here I am. I'm ready to do what you want me to do. Full surrender. So Moses says, who am I? Thank God God didn't tell Moses who he was. He would have been there a long time. And Moses would have probably ended up more condemned than he'd ever imagined. But God doesn't tell us who he was. He doesn't tell us who we are. He, te he, he tells us who we are as he sees us in Christ. And it's very different to who we think we are. He says, he says this to Moses. After Moses had said, here I am, and then who am I? He says to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. You see, God, what God was saying was, here I am, Moses. Let's not worry or let's not talk about who you are. Let's think about who I am, who I am, because I am your Hanini. I am here for you. And this is who you are to tell Israel. This is who you are to, de to declare amongst Israel as you see them. Tell them, I am has sent you. Let's move to Samuel. Samuel. God spoke to Samuel as a young boy. You see, this can happen at any point in life. This can happen when you're young or when you're old. To God, it's irrelevant. Age is irrelevant. But time and season is important to Him. And that's how He looks at our lives. And for every single one of us, it's different. My story will be different to your story, but that doesn't mean to say that God's forgotten me and remembered you or forgotten you and remembered me. It's just the timings are different for all of us. There's moments for all of us. And I'm telling you, each one of us are going to become aware of God speaking to us. We really are. We're going to become so sensitive to God's voice, and there's going to be an awareness 
of his presence, there's going to be an increase, increased awareness of his presence in your life, and you're going to feel so enriched, so blessed, so secure. I'm, I tell you now, right, your feelings, your emotions, when God is near, my goodness, they pick up on it. They pick up on it. And it's wonderful. It's glorious. Not that we live by feelings, but I'm telling you now, thank God for them. Thank God for wonderful emotions. Thank God for glorious feelings that he gives us when he comes close. He came close to Samuel, and initially Samuel didn't realize this as a young boy. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 4 to verse 10 says this, the Lord called Samuel. So, he'd called Abraham. He'd called Moses. Now, he's calling this young kid, this little helper, one of these young children out here tonight. That's all that Samuel was, just a young, young man, young boy, the boy Samuel, the Bible calls him. The Lord called to Samuel, and he answered, here I am, Hanini. I mean, just imagine that in a kid, not in an adult that's been schooled and trained and on a faith journey with God, but now in a kid, in a young boy, Hanini, here I am, he hears a voice, here I am, and immediately he runs to Eli. You see, when the, like I said to you, when this Hanini spirit takes a hold and manifests through us, you don't only say, here I am to God, but you say, here I am to man. It's a, complete, it's, it's, it's a place of complete surrender, of complete servanthood, of your life given over to service of another. Here I am, Samuel says, so he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he's saying to Eli, Eli, I'm even at this early hour of the night, or this early hour of the morning, I'm here, Eli. It doesn't matter what time of day. I don't work nine to five in the, in the, in the temple. Eli, if it's two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, Eli, here I am. What a spirit. It's like Faye said, Daniel had an excellent spirit. It says in Daniel, of Daniel, that it was noted of him that he was 10 times wiser than any other wise man in Babylon. What a compliment. What an incredible place and position of life to be in. An excellent spirit Daniel had. This young man, young boy, incredible spirit. Here I am, in the darkness of the night, ready to serve his master. Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed, boy. It's, it's too early. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am. I'm ready to go again, Eli. You've been calling me. You see, that's a, that's a spirit, a life that is full, that is rich, that is abundant, that is ready and prompt to do whatever is asked of it. The answer 
for him was yes before the questions asked. Imagine, imagine living like that, answering, going into work, ready to answer yes before any question is asked. I'm telling you now, you go to work like that, you're going to get promoted very fast. You have this Hanini spirit in you. Here I am, ready to do whatever you want me to do before God and man. I'm telling you, you're going to be prospered. You're going you're gonna to be, you're, you're be promoted with that kind of spirit, it is so noticeable and tangible to people. And that's why the early church was so blessed. That's why it says of the early church that they were favored by God and man because they had Hanini in their spirit. They did anything and everything they could to be a blessing to others and to God. Here I am, he says. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call you, my son. Lie down. Now Samuel, listen. Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called to Samuel again. And the third time, so he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood, and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered and said, Speak, for your servant hears. Hinini. God then begins a dialogue in those early days of Samuel's life with Samuel about the state of the nation. And in the hiddenness of a bedroom, God begins to set up and, and shaped that young man's life to the extent that Samuel became the greatest prophet in Israel. When you hang around God, I'm telling you, he forms and molds and shapes your life for greatness and prominence and, and usefulness to his purpose. And it begins with this Hanini in our hearts and in our spirits. Got time for a little more? Couple, couple more. Couple more. Isaiah 6. You see Isaiah, a young man, in the year that King Uzziah had died. He's in the temple. There's confusion in the nation because the king has died. And Isaiah, a young man, young prophet, is in the temple. And he, he says in his, in his opening words in Isaiah chapter 6, in the, years, in the year that the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Oh, I'm telling you now, if you are ever privileged, if we are ever privileged to have an encounter like that, things in this land are going to change. God just doesn't turn up, you know, and sit down and say, well, you know, what's happening on EastEnders, Dave? No, he's not into small talk. When he turns up, a nation's going to change. When he turns up, 
Thousands of lives are about to be turned around and a whole community, a whole city, a whole nation is going to take on his way. He turns up, he sees the Lord, and then he hears God's voice. First of all, he goes through this tremendous refining experience of seeing the holiness of God. And he says, I'm so unclean. I feel so unclean. I don't feel that this is the natural air that I should be living in. This is divine. This is holy. This is magnificent. This is awesome. My mind has been expanded. My eyes have seen something that is beyond this world. The doorposts have shaken of the temple. The room is filled with glory and smoke. It's not right. I don't belong in this world. I'm a man of unclean lips. And that's his confession about his I am, where he is, where God finds him. And the angel graciously takes a coal and he places it on his tongue. And everything begins to change for him. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter where we are in life, just one moment with the king in his presence, and everything changes, my friends. I'm telling you now, there's destiny in this room. And I'm telling you, no, things are going to happen in your life, mate. You're going to see awesome things. You're going to see awesome things. Because it's all about Hanini. It's not about what you can see on the outside, but it's what God sees on the inside. Samuel the prophet, later years, goes into Jesse's house, and he's misguided by what he can see on the outside. And he gets it wrong seven times. He goes through David's son, uh, Jesse's sons, looking for a king because God's given him that address. And he gets it wrong seven times. Surely this is the Lord's anointed. Look at his stature. Look at his appearance. Look at the external things. And God corrects him every time. And he says, Samuel, I'm not looking as you look. I'm not seeing as a man sees. I don't look at the externals. I don't listen to the great words that people speak. I look beyond that to the interior, to the hinini. And he goes through all the seven, and, and, and there's nobody there, and the prophet's confused. He thinks he's got the wrong address. And then he asks one question. Is there, is there anybody else that it could be? Well, there's one in the field with the sheep. Bring him. Bring him. And this ruddy little boy comes in. Appearance that is dirty and scruffy, but there's fire in his eyes, and there's a hanini in his spirit. What does the Bible say of David in the New Testament? He was a man after God's own heart. He had a hanini spirit, my friends. When God finds that, you can be rejected by everybody else, and you can be put in the backside of a field. But I'm telling you now, God will send a prophet to anoint you, and you will slay giants, and you'll end up the king of it all. God doesn't look how we look. He looks into the heart. And Isaiah hears this conversation. 
in heaven. Who shall we send? Verse 6, chapter 6, verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? He hears the agony of God's heart for people. He hears the ache amongst the Godhead for the nation. They're doing their own thing. They're not following us. They've no desire to do what we want them to do. There's no Hanini spirit in the nation. Who can we send? Who will go for us? Then Isaiah, up out of his spirit, in this moment where he's in the presence of God, says, Hanini, here I am. Here I am. If my life is any good, I know I've said I'm unclean. I know I've said that I, that, that, that I can't live in your presence and live to this expectation of holiness. I know all of those things, but if you'll take what I can give, here I am. And God sends him. And his life goes on a wonderful journey to be a prophet in the nation, to bring God's message and God's direction and God's redemption to his people. Abraham, Moses, who else? Samuel, Isaiah, Jesus, Jesus. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Jesus. Well, he's the embodiment of this more than any other. More than any other. I'll recite to you just a few phrases, a few statements that Jesus made regarding his life and this Hanini spirit that he embodied. But we could stay here just literally all night. All night and think about Jesus. Lo, it is written in the volume of the book, Jesus said, I have come to do thy will, O God. I've not come to live my will. I've come to do your will. I abandon my life. I sacrifice all I am to do what you want me to do. Lo, it is written in the volume of the book, I have come to do your will, O God. What's that saying? Hanini. Here I am, not to manifest my own life and my own greatness, but to reflect your glory and reflect your will and to accomplish your purpose. I've not come to be served, Jesus said. If there's one human being that's walked the face of this earth that should have been served, it should have been Jesus. But he says, I have not come to serve, to be served. I have not come to be served. I have come to serve. Hanini, here I am to heal the leper. Here I am to raise the dead. Here I am 
to do everything that you need me to do. He said this to his disciples, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified. Go ahead, ask anything. Ask anything in my name, and I will do it. Hanini, here I am to do it. Here I am to do it. You're here to ask. I'm here to give. Knock, he says, and it shall be opened. Seek, and you shall find. What's the other bit? Ask. Ask. And it shall be given. That's his response to us. Hinini, then in the garden, facing the greatest moment of his life, a moment that nobody else could face, even his best friends who he'd asked just for a little support were sleeping. While they were resting in their sleep, he was working and sweating blood. And it's a wonderful, wonderful picture of our failure God's forgiveness, our rest whilst He works. He accomplishes our redemption and salvation like no other. And even in the pressure of the garden, He says, Father, if there's any other way, even Jesus wondered about another way, but then suddenly He came back from that struggle, from that pressure, from the sweating of blood. And he came back to the Hanini, to the will of the Father for which he had come to accomplish. And he says, but not my will, thy will be done. And he rises to his feet. And he's off with the soldiers to accomplish God's will and redemption for mankind. Hanini. After the ascension, the church begins, and we see this Hanini spirit in the church. You see, this is what church is about. This is really the fabric and the material of what church is about, what we're about as people. Oh, when you meet another person in this church, and not only in this church, in your world, and you, they experience the Hanini of God in your spirit, willing to do whatever they need done, I'm telling you now, they are going to be blessed, and you are going to be greatly fulfilled. That is why Jesus said it is greater to give. It is better to give than to receive. Give. Lay your life down. Serve wherever you are in life. Because in this Hanini, you find wonderful, wonderful blessing as you give to others. But this characterized, it characterized the New Testament church. Philippians 2, verse 5 to verse 8. Let me read. No, I'm not going to read that one. Sorry, I will read that one after. Acts chapter 9, verse 10. Let me read this to you. Ananias, a disciple, was praying. Ananias isn't known really for anything that we know of in the Bible other than his prayer to the Lord on this one particular afternoon in Damascus. 
And he prays, verse 10, now there was a certain disciple, that's all, just, uh, you know, he wasn't an apostle, he wasn't, he, he hadn't done huge miracles, he was just a certain disciple at Damascus, named Ananias, normal day, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Hanini, Lord, Hanini, here I am. And suddenly God begins to unpack a mission for Ananias because he had said, here I am, absolute surrender. Whatever you want me to do in this moment, I will attend to it. The answer is yes before the question is given, Lord, here I am. And the Lord said, there's a man called Saul of Tarsus. He's staying on a, in, in a house on a street called Straight. I want you to go to him, and I want you to lay your hands on him because I have great use for him. And Ananias suddenly begins to understand what God is asking, and he says, Saul of Tarsus, he's, he's a murderer. He's a persecutor of the church. He's a terrible man. And then God begins to tell him in the vision, yes, he may have been that, but I've touched him. His life's changed, and I've showed him what he's got to suffer for my name's sake. Ananias goes. Was he going afraid? Of course he was. Was he going wondering, my goodness me, I never thought that I would be on this journey. I never thought that this would be the requirement of my faith. I never thought I would have to step in a house with this with this madman who had killed Stephen, one of the greatest men, young men in the New Testament church. And now I'm going to lay my hands on him to see God's power released in his life. But he goes, because why? Hanini says, whatever you ask, that will I do. Your wish is my command. And he goes, he lays his hand on him. And Ananias is Paul's first introduction to a, a New Testament believer that reaches out to him with Hanini spirit. Later, Paul would say, Romans 1, verse 1, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Paul, a servant, given over, separated for the gospel. Where did it begin? It began by seeing an example in a man called Ananias, a certain disciple, and anybody in the church reach out to him, lay his hand on him, and release vision to his eyes. I've got a couple more, but time is gone tonight. Through this word, the Holy Spirit, I believe, has brought recognition to what He's put in our hearts in this church. This is a Hanini church. Here we are, Lord. Here we are, warts and all. We're a mixed bag. We come from many, many different locations, many different vocations, many different experience of life. Here 
We are. We're her Hanini church, and we are here to do your will. And I just wanted to release it to you tonight to encourage you. I don't want any, you know, we're not going to pray over it. We're not going to, you know, call, you know, for a commitment. No, no need for that. It's already in you. It's already part of your heart and part of your life. I'm just going to pray over us and thank God for his word. Did you receive that tonight? We, uh, we're going to put it on the podcast. You can listen to it again. But go to the Lord in your time. Go to the Lord in your time and just say to him, say these words. Here I am. That's all you've got to say. Here I am. Knowing now what you're saying, right? Knowing now what you're saying, you can say, Lord, here I am. And I'll be excited to hear of the testimonies that are going to come as a result of that moment, of those moments that you have with the Lord. It may, it may be in five years' time. It may be in five days' time. Who knows? Father, I just pray right now for your people, precious, precious people. Lord God, oh God, you show us the worth of your people in revealing the price that you paid for each one of us. Shed blood. Oh God, we thank you. We thank you. I just pray, Lord, that your word in your people, thank you, Lord, that they, Lord, have sat so attentively and opened their hearts and given their ears to listen to your word. Lord, I pray, Father, that it would find good soil in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that it would produce a wonderful, wonderful harvest for your glory. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing before we go. And then I don't know if we're going to hang around for some coffee. You're more than welcome. If you've got to get away, that's absolutely fine. God bless you.